Welcome back to church. Welcome to church for the first time. Uh, glad you're here. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, we, are, we are a group of people. Uh, if, if you're new with us or if you've uh, forgot what happened last week, uh, we're a group of people who just love Jesus. We want to know him. We want to follow him. Uh, we want to share him with our lives uh, in service to other people. Um, we, uh, we don't believe Christian life is complicated. We believe it's simple. Trust Jesus in all things. Trust and obey. All right, so um, we've been going through a series in Jonah. We just finished that. I ran out of chapters, um, so I've run out of things to do. So I figure the next fun series we should get into is the book of Leviticus. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> Not going there. Um, it's been a fun series, uh, and it's been a, been a good summer. It's getting a little hot out there. Um, praise the Lord for air conditioning. Uh, it's awesome. Um, so I was praying about what to bring here this Sunday. I didn't want to start a new series here in the middle of summer when everyone is off on vacation. Um, Vacations are a wonderful thing. If you have the opportunity, go spend some time at the beach. Enjoy God's creation. It's okay to have fun as a Christian. Um, but I was praying about what to bring here today. Lord, what do you want to feed your kids um, this Sunday? We have a good God. Uh, he's, he's alive. Uh, he knows that what we need when we need it. His spirit is alive and active, uh, living and dwelling in us. Um, and so he led me to a, a, a psalm. Um, a psalm that I think uh, gives us uh, a voice of comfort in life. Um, any of you going through a difficult time? You don't have to raise your hand. Um, or maybe you should. Um, but if you are, this message is for you. you have, have, a, have a difficult circumstance in your life. Difficult people. Uh, living in a, in a difficult nation with difficult gas prices. Um, this is for you. We're going to be in Psalm uh, chapter 62. It's a Psalm of David. Chapter 62 of Psalms. And my whole purpose here is, is really just this, uh, that we have access as believers to peace and rest no matter where we are. So we have access to peace and rest no matter where we find ourselves. So if you have something else to do, that's it. You can head on out and turn the live stream off. That's the message. Um, but if you're interested in walking with me through this, uh, through this psalm, I, I, I think there's just a treasure here um, that the Lord himself is going to have to emplace and impart to your spirit. Um, it's amazing what he has for us today. Psalm says this. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack of man to batter him like a leaning wall and a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. 
They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour your heart before, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This song comes, psalm comes from a man who is, uh, is a real man. You know this? David was a real person. And I think it's important that we understand that. Oftentimes we look at biblical characters uh, like we do uh, characters from Hollywood. Right, these superheroes of the faith, somewhat uh, taken out of reality, out of reach of who we are. But the Bible doesn't present the people. He chooses to carry his message and to speak through to be people that are superhuman people. These are normal, everyday people just like you and me. David was a person just like you and me who wrestled through issues in life just like you and me, who had opposition just like you and me, who had times of dryness and times of plenty just like you and me. He was a real, real guy, and he struggled, right? If any of you know his story, you know he's a, he's a shepherd boy, cast out by his dad, go take care of the sheep, and as a young kid, having to fight off lions and bears, that's real. This kid had to fight off lions and bears. That would be called negligence today, right? His parent, his dad would be arrested. I mean, you, kids can't walk home by themselves these days. There's a certain age you can leave them home alone. This guy's out in the field fighting lions and bears and taking care of sheep, which are very stupid animals. And God calls this shepherd boy, this, the runt of the litter of his family, out to become the next king of Israel. And he does that when he's a boy. And he places that on top of him. Like, I mean, what are you, you going to do as a young kid? And some crazy prophet walks and pours a bunch of oil on top of your head and says, you're the next king. What's that going to do for your ego? Well, for David, he went and, who's this? Who's this giant defying the armies of the living God? I'll fight him. No one else wants to fight him. I'll fight him. I'll go after him. And this, this foolish kid, what people would say, had deep trust in the Lord, and he defeated the giant, right? When Saul, who was a head taller than the rest of his, his people, was the one who should have fought the giant. Uh, God promises the kingdom's going to move from Saul to David, 
And then all of a sudden, Saul says, I'm going to kill that person. So the guy that David is serving is now wanting to destroy David. Well, David's really just trying to protect his kingdom, Saul's kingdom. Fight for Saul, be his friend. So what happens? God continues to be with David. David keeps on winning victories for the Lord. Saul's killed his thousands. David has 10,000. Saul gets even angrier. He starts throwing spears, starts chasing him. David's out in the wilderness. He's, he's running for his life. Um, and then he finds Saul in a, in a cave, relieving himself. Could have ended the opposition there, but decided not to. Um, he cut a piece of the garment just to prove it and then felt guilty about that. And then he goes like, to, to live in the, with the Philistines. Get away from Saul. Okay, I'll go past the border. And he's living with the Philistines and he's deceiving them. So the king thinks that he's fighting for him and he's, um, he's actually going and taking out Philistine armies and can, continuing to prepare his, the kingdom that he's going to uh, rule. And, um, and then, but the king, this king that he's, he's made an alliance with likes him. One, then the Philistines are about to go to war with Israel and they're like, David's coming with them. And they're, the Philistines are like, what are you doing? This guy's been killing our people. You need, you need to send him back. And so he does. And so David's out with, about to go to war with the Philistines. And then he goes back to Ziglag where he was camped and he finds his camp completely burned down to the ground. All of his wives gone, all of his men's women and children gone. This is chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. And his people turn on him. The text even says he was greatly displeased for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each of his sons for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord God. So David's learning as he's walking through all this difficulty where to find strength and confidence. He's learning not to look at the, the hopeful, hopeless situation around him, but to look towards the Lord for hope and strength. Now, fast forward, right? David becomes king. Things go easy for him. When things are at rest, it's really bad for David. Actually, David's best time in life is when he's struggling against life. When things are super easy, he starts making poor decisions, commits adultery, uh, murders the, the woman's husband, um, and there's a consequence, his son dies, and then there's another consequence, there's someone, one of his sons gonna raise up and come after his kingdom. That son is Absalom. Absalom rebels. Um, his own son comes to dethrone him, actually succeeds in it, right? He's standing at the gate talking about, hey, if, uh, are, you, are you not happy with the judgment of David? Well, if, if I was king, I'd, I'd give you exactly what you want. And they're just gaining support. So David goes, gets chased out of his own kingdom. Own, like his, son, his son is doing this. And the Lord works Absalom dies, David's restored, and, and this is the man's life. Struggle, turmoil, hardship. This is a real person going through real things. 
And this person, we have no idea when he wrote Psalm 62. Did he write it during Absalom's rebellion? Potentially. Did he write it when he was with the Philistines? And he's struggling because everyone wants to overthrow him and stone him. And he strengthens himself in the Lord. I don't know. But this is what he does. He says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what's happening. I don't know. He's, he's in a pressing time. And he says, to God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. For he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. See, David finds an understanding of reality of life. as that there is no other security in this world except for in God. That no amount of military might, no amount of planning, uh, no amount of, of whatever decisions I can make, strength in myself, nothing's safe. God alone is my salvation. It's not in me, it's not in other people, it's not in my men who surround me, it's not in my kingdom, it's not in the people in my court. It's in God alone is my salvation. And he says, I shall not be greatly shaken. What does that mean? I'm going to be shaken. The Christian life is never about coming and accepting the Lord and then everything becomes easy. It's not that old easy button from Staples. Christian life is a difficult life. There are things that you go through that are ordered by the Lord or not ordered by the Lord, that are a product of his leading and discipleship in your life or a product of a broken and fallen world. There are viruses that go out, there's economies that collapse. There's bad leadership that gets installed. There's nations that attack. There's people who steal. And it's been that way since the dawn of time. Methods, methodology has changed. The core concept has not. And there's nothing out there that is truly going to secure you. It is okay to struggle. It is okay not to have it all together. It is okay if you're not a perfect Christian. Actually, here's a secret. There are no perfect Christians. Not even the pastor. And anyone who stands up in a pulpit and tells you they've reached perfection, they're lying to you. And therefore, they're not perfect. There's only one perfect Savior. And he was crucified. Life is difficult. But you can find hope and security in the Lord. We can rest in him when life is overwhelming. Now listen how, how David's describing his life. He's saying, how long will you attack a man 
and batter him like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. Any of you had an old fence before? I've had one. I think I'm pretty sure someone has had one because I see an old fence out here in the burn pile, which we need to have a bonfire sometime soon. And it may be, I don't know, maybe it's spontaneous combustion today at 96 uh, degrees. But it's, you go against those things and it can look like it's a good fence until you lean against it. And that thing quick, quite easily could just snap over. And David's describing himself. How long are you going to attack a man? I'm a, like a tottering fence or a leaning wall. Any moment, I'm going to fall over. I'm completely overwhelmed. Anxious, depressed, whatever it is, he's overwhelmed. And this is not a, a singular moment in David's life. Right? All throughout the Psalms in particular, David describes his struggles. At one point, he's talking to himself like a crazy person. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Right? David struggles. And he's got people around him who are actively trying to destroy him. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Ever been around people like that? Nice to your face? Speak about you behind your back? I grew up in the South. Happens everywhere. It's one of the good things I like about the Northeast. And I consider this the Northeast. I know that there's other people who are purists who consider up in Connecticut, the North, whatever. But people are real to your face here for the most part. But this happens everywhere. Yeah, we're good, we're good. Man, that guy is an idiot. <laughs> Man, great, you're the, you did a great job. And this is the worst person I've ever seen do this job before. And, he, and he, all of his confidence around him are untrustworthy. He's feeling alone. For God alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. He's my safety, my security, my rescue. It's interesting when you start reading um, the church fathers on this passage. Every single one of them uh, takes this portion of the passage and links it to sin in our lives. Augustine, Chrysostom, um, all these guys. Then the Christian life, there is a deceiver who walks with you and it's your flesh. It's the enemy. It's temptation. Wanting to say, hey, yeah, it's good for you. Feel a lot better if you do this. Just hoard your wealth. It's fine. Just, it's a little bit of gossip. The problem? You're, you're feeling sad. Just have a couple more pints of ice cream. You're neglected. Just indulge yourself. 
You'll be fine. And behind that is someone who's speaking with falsehood. Because sin in our life will always bring destruction. Seeking after the things that the Lord does not desire for you is always going to bring you destruction. Now, I'm not putting out there asking God's calling you to be a perfect person. But what I do want you to understand is that in this Bible, in this book, God describes himself not as a person who's stealing joy, but a person who actually is trying to give you the best joy. And that the things that this world say you need to indulge in, and it is getting more and more and more and more and more pervasive in our society, similar to what it was in Rome, similar to what it was in a lot of places. But just do you. Do what makes you feel good. Follow your own desires. Follow your heart. Do your truth. Live your truth. You'll be happier. It's just not true. And they're seeing you like a tottering fence looking to steal, kill, and destroy what the Lord is wanting to do in your life. There's a real enemy who really wants to destroy you. There are also real people who really want to destroy you. And what David is saying is if you put your hope in Jesus, you will not be destroyed. Now he continues this, and this is just interesting because you see in the psalm a progression of David. You see a man who's somewhat confident in the Lord, and then you see a man who becomes fully confident in the Lord. He says, for God alone, he repeats this again, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. Right? He's saying the same thing over and over to himself again. Which I'll just make a side note. It's not a bad thing for worship songs to repeat words over and over again. You guys know this, right? Oftentimes we just need to remind ourselves of truth. Remind ourselves of truth. You are a good, good father. You're a good, good father. You are a good, good father. And for some, maybe you've learned that and that's getting annoying. But for others, maybe that's a thing that they need to hold on to. To remind themselves of the truth and the goodness of God. So David, hope in God alone, O my soul. Hope in God alone, O my soul. He alone is my hope and my salvation. He alone is my fortress. He alone is where my safety comes from. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty, mighty rock, my refuge is God. Look at verse 6. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. He removed the, the adjective, right? I shall not be greatly shaken. I shall not be shaken. Adverb, not the adjective. Sorry. He's shifting in his understanding. 
He's shifting in his thinking. I shall not be greatly shaken. Okay, I'm a realist, Lord. <laughs> Life is pretty hard. This is going to suck. This is not going to be fun. This is going to hurt. No. I don't care what happens. It doesn't matter. I will not be shaken. My foot is on firm ground here. See, when God's people remind themselves and finally understand what their comfort is, they rest secure. They find peace. They find hope. Right? Most of us know about the, the story of the disciples in the middle of the storm. Right? They get in this boat, Mark chapter 4. They're heading across. Jesus is sleeping. Storm's about, the storm's coming. The boat's about to capsize. These sailors are freaking out. These are experienced, experienced fishermen. Kind of like the people in the story of Jonah, right? Like, what do you do? What are you doing? Do you even care, Lord? We're about to perish. He stands up and he does what? Peace be still. He calms the storm. And then what does he say to his disciples? You have little faith. He's marveling at them. Why? Because the perfect man of God who's walking in both an example for us, and as our life and salvation. He's showcasing the reality of what it means to walk with the Lord and the safety and security that you have in him. That as long as you're living on this earth, God has an assignment for you. And if God has an assignment for you, he will keep you and protect you no matter what goes on around you. And in the middle of a massive storm, you can have peace. You can be snoozing. You can have rest. It's there. It's not the water outside the boat that sinks the boat. It's the water that's in it. And David is saying this. I found it. I'm not going to be shaken. And when he finds it, what does he do? Verse 8, he turns to the people and he says, Trust him at all times, O you people. Pour your heart out before him. God is a refuge for us. He said, Guys, I, found, I've, I've, I finally understand it. The rest is in Jesus, the peace is in Jesus. So if you trust Jesus and you pour your heart out before him, you can have safety and security. Pour your heart out before him. And what David is trying to describe is what many biblical people, even God himself, has been trying to describe for people for centuries. Right? Many of you know that what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain we needlessly bear. All because we do not carry everything to, him, to God in prayer. The same thing that Paul is trying to get at in Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, I've learned how to be content in everything, rich, plenty, poor, whatever it is. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's, he's not just saying these, these lofty statements. He's trying to express the reality of what he's found in his heart. And it's something only found through experience. I'm fixing to have another baby. Not me. Despite popular opinion, men cannot have babies. But my wife is having, is pregnant right now. We have another child. Haven't met her yet. I've been there through every single one of the births. I've seen it happen, all, all of it. I could describe it. I have no idea what it's like. Hurts real bad, right? And every woman who's given birth can relate to another woman who's given birth and they know exactly what that feeling is like. But you try to describe it to a man, I don't know. I just stop this conversation. I got to go somewhere else. Uh, maybe this conversation's like having birth. It's, uh, there's some things in life that are only found through experience. And there are things in the Christian life that are only found through experience. And no matter what someone says, says or how eloquent they explain it or how much it is, it just cannot be understood unless it's through experience. So what, Paul, what David is saying to his people, to us today, no matter what's going on around you, pour your heart out to God and he will give you peace. It's not just pour your heart out. It's the person that it's being poured out to. Do you know our God has big shoulders? Do you know that he knows every thought that's in your mind? Yes, that one. He knows every word you've uttered, everything you've done. And you know, his opinion of you does not change. You know, if you're in him, if you've received Jesus, if you've been redeemed, you know what he calls you? Beloved. My special child. The one who I love and care for. I'm proud of you. I want you. Everything, everything that you have done, will do, are doing, if there's any other time, time period that you can do, any of that stuff, he knew about it and he purchased you anyways. And that concept, I think, blows over our head when we start talking about prayer to him. That I can't bring my frustrations out to him. I've been following you my whole life. I keep on reading my Bible every morning for an hour. And I read 16 different devotionals and I feel dry. Where are you? I'm with you. I feel alone. God's distant. I don't have that abiding life that all these people talk about and proclaim their life is awesome, but I don't have it. Have you told the Lord? 
Right, David, this exact next psalm, I'm just going to skip ahead. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. I don't feel you. I can't experience you. I don't know where you're at. I have experienced you before. Your steadfast love is better than anything this life can offer. I need you, Lord. Where are you? And this is directly after a psalm where David finds absolute confidence in the Lord. All of these psalms are are arranged theologically. There we go. They're put in that direction for purpose. And he's giving an example of what it means to pour your heart out to the Lord. And every single psalm he does this. Same pattern, at the end, there's hope. Going through difficult times, pour myself out to the Lord, hope and peace. Difficult times, pour myself out to the Lord, hope and peace. Keep on coming to the Lord, hope and peace. Do it in my own strength, anxiety, depression, everything's not good. Come back to the Lord, hope and peace, rest in him, relate to him Abide with him. See, our security is found in Jesus. And he ends this psalm with an observation just from creation. It's very similar to what Solomon writes in, 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 in Ecclesiastes. It says, those of low estate are but a breath, a vapor, same word. Those are high estate, are a delusion, right? The poor are but a breath, a brief moment. The rich are a delusion. And the balances they go up, right? You sit them on the balances. They're both together lighter than a breath. There's no difference. Except for a very pretty sound of someone's phone. But there's, there's no difference. They're the same. So don't fool yourself into thinking money or position or power is going to bring you the hope and the peace that the Lord can give. Don't put trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. Ill-gotten gain. Getting rich quick schemes. There's tons of them out there. Everywhere on social media, everyone's advertising for their next way to steal your money. Invest in my real estate plan, you'll get this. Jump on my MLM, you'll get this. Invest in this Bitcoin or whatever. Get tons of money, everything's gonna be fine. And we're all there. Yeah, things would be better if I had a little extra cash on hand. No. Maybe more comfortable. You should have different problems. It's not the situation that causes the problem. The problem starts here. And I could speak this, I could have given this message out of Jonah. Speak, it's, it's not the, the circumstances around you 
that caused the issues. It's, it's myself. And if I work on myself, then it doesn't matter what I walk through. I don't have to be controlled by what's around me. I can be controlled by the Lord. Same thing could have been preached by what Pastor Steve read this morning. Same, turn many pages. Hope in, the God, hope in God, trust in the Lord. Don't put your trust in something else. Was it, I think Bill used to say, we put our hopes on, was it thin wires? Heavy weights on thin wires. It's true. There's not, not a lot of, there's not many major concepts that God teaches in his word. One of the major one is trust him in all things. So, David ends his psalm saying, once God has spoken, twice I have heard, the power belongs to God, and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his word. So in a time when he's wrestling, a time when he's got people who are actively smiling to his face, but actively trying to destroy him behind his back. A time when he's in turmoil. He puts his hope in God and confirms that hope, saying, God is the just judge. He's got the steadfast love. His love is going to fuel me. And at the end of the day, it does not matter what man will do. God will take care of that. I will trust him. I will follow him. I will lean on him. And because of him and his love, I will be okay. Amen. Amen. So, question. And I didn't put a PowerPoint up. I know some of you who are writers are a little upset about that. You're going to have to forgive me because the Bible says so. But the question I just want to leave you, what, where's my confidence? What am I trusting in? Saying this is not, this is a question you could ask yourself every morning. What am I trusting in? Well, a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot about coffee. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trusting in. See, as much as I can, I can communicate to you, and this is part of the work of what the Spirit has to do, is you can actively sit down with the Lord by yourself. And you could say exactly what's on your mind. You can take all the pain, all the confusion, and you could just ask Him to take it. And he actually will. And then in 15 minutes, when you've taken it back, you can stop and give it to him again. And you can rest in him. And when you do, and you find it, you'll find yourself so excited about it that you'll start telling other people about it. 
And this is the whole process of the Christian life. I found Jesus. He changed my life. I was one way, now I'm a new way. Let me tell you about him. But oftentimes, somewhere along the line, that stops. We stop experiencing. Look, church, I, we have a short time here on earth. I'm not predicting anything. All I know is that David was telling us, you're a vapor. You're a breath. <sighs> That's life. Could the Lord return at any moment? Yes. Could he wait till 2023? Yes. Could he wait till 3023? Yes. But you got one life here. One life to steward. One opportunity to experience a side of God that, you, that the angels will never experience and that we will never experience in eternity. The God of all comfort who kneels down into our brokenness and comforts us in our pain and then equips us to comfort those in the same way in which we've been comforted. And could it be that we are robbing other people of experiencing the hope and the peace of God because we refuse to come to the Lord and pour our hearts out before him? Could it be that the, that the church is hoarding for themselves the peace and the hope that we have in Jesus? Because we experienced it one time, we know we're good in the future, so we're just going to bide by life until the Lord brings me home. Instead of actively seeking and following after him, trusting I had some other things to say, but I think that's it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your son. I thank you for David, Lord. I thank you for the life that he lived. I thank you for how real and, and relatable he is. I thank you, Lord, that you, your eyes are looking around searching for people like him even today. People who are not perfect, people who have struggles, people who will understand that the blessing in life is in the hard times of life. That in that we can find your hope and your peace and your satisfaction. Lord, work in our hearts. Cultivate in us a desire and a yearning, a longing after you and satisfy us with your love. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and praise him again.